Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, here to break down the Kansas City Royals farm system with you today. And to do that, we're joined by Bill Mitchell, longtime contributor to BA. He did the Royals top 10 for us this year. Bill, the Royals are still trying to work their way back up. Saw they had a great run from 2013 to 2016. Four straight non-losing seasons that included a World Series appearance and a World Series championship a year later. Definitely the best stretch in Royals history the last 30 years, really since the 80s. Since then, things have kind of fallen down a little bit as a lot of that core has moved on to other places. The Royals lost 104 games in 2018, 103 games in 2019, back-to-back 100-plus lost seasons. And it's going to be a little bit, there's still a little bit of a hill to climb. They've hired Mike Matheny to replace the retired Ned Yo, so they'll try to do so with a new manager at the helm. When you kind of look at the Royals as a whole right now, Bill, how do you kind of assess where they are and how far they are from really returning to, forget contention, but just even a 500 record? Because the last couple of years, they've been way, way, way below even just that. Thank you, Kyle, for having me. Uh, This is the third year I've done the Royals uh, organization report, uh, their top 30 for the prospect handbook, and I know you'll give a a, a good uh, recommendation that everyone order the prospect handbook so they can read all these reports. Uh, but uh, when I the first year I did it, they were ranked 29th and uh, as 29th out of 30 organizations as far as their minor league system. Uh, I'm not sure where we have them now, but uh, they've certainly increased. And uh, from my standpoint, they're doing things the right way. One of the biggest keys to that has been some of the homegrown pitching. Uh, we saw in the 2018 draft, they went college pitcher, college pitcher, college pitcher. Uh, they had some extra picks from losing guys. Uh, they went out and drafted Brady Singer, Jackson Coar, Daniel Lynch, Chris Bubich. Uh, really starting to develop some arms. Those guys are all now uh, in the upper levels or will be shortly. It seems like that's the strength of the Royals system. Having four starters like that, they're not all going to hit, but it seems like that's one area the Royals can really, really be uh, positive you know, positive about when they look at their future. Oh, absolutely, and that's one of the big points I wanted to make because you mentioned four starters, but they drafted a few others. You notice that Austin Cox, who was, uh, I believe, the fourth-round pick, is in their top ten now. Uh, they took, and I, uh, right now I have a list of eight college pitchers that they took uh, in that draft and there's always going to be an attrition rate in development. But on every single pitcher, that uh, college pitcher they drafted highly, they've all either uh, progressed as they should or made big leaps forward. No one's gone backwards, and I think that's the most impressive thing. And it speaks well to, uh, one, their eye for scouting, uh, scouting department uh, that they've got, and then uh, the, the solid player development found at least as it uh, as it applies to pitching. Uh, so you mentioned four pitchers, and I didn't mention Austin Cox, which is also Jonathan Bolin, who uh, 
is ranked just outside their top 10. And then one of my sleeper candidates, Zach Hockey, who they took in the sixth round in 2018 out of Kentucky, even though he had had a bad year in college. Uh, and this guy's really projectable, tall, lean, and I think he could be the breakout guy this next year. And the uh, last one I wanted to mention was Jonathan Heasley that they drafted out of Oklahoma State. He kind of underachieved at Oklahoma State, but uh, they got him in the organization. And last year he improved his breaking ball. I got more command, and he may not be a starter down the road, but if nothing, he's going to be a, a good bullpen piece for them in, in a few years. One of the biggest additions the Royals made to their system this year, and really just to their organization as a whole, was Bobby Witt Jr. We mentioned all those pitchers uh, who have moved very, very quickly. They've, for the most part, performed very, very well. Bobby Witt Jr. was the number two overall pick this year, came with a lot of hype, uh, considered the best high school player in the 2019 draft class. The Royals couldn't draft him fast enough. He gives them a position player that they can kind of anchor the rebuild around. Now, you look at what they have in the majors. They do have some pieces to work with. Adalberto Mondesi has, at times, shown some positive things, although the strikeouts and lack of walks uh, is concerning. Hunter Dozier finally last year broke out and performed like the first rounder he was. Jorge Soler quietly led the American League in home runs. Whit Merrifield quietly as well has been one of the better players in the American League the last few years. There are three or four position players to work with here. What does Bobby Witt give them? And ultimately, in your discussions with evaluators, both inside and outside the system, what made him the number one prospect in the system? And, and how close was anyone else if they were close at all? Really, no one else was close. He was second overall pick. He got a record bonus of $7 million. A lot of times he's compared to uh, Troy Tulowitzki is that tall, lanky shortstop who can hit, can play defense, and can do it all. I got to see quite a bit of him this year because he was in the Arizona League, and originally he was going to stay here for about 25 at-bats, what I was told. But uh, he was in and out a lot, uh, you know, getting awards from his high school days. And uh, he put a lot of pressure on him, and his numbers weren't real great in the Arizona League. So they, they kept him here all year. He was bonding with his teammates, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, by the time he got to Instructional League, he was uh, looser and really turning on balls, uh, hitting for more power, and showing why he was a number two overall pick. Uh, but back to what I was about to say is – where he really stands out, and it's so it was so evident to anybody watching an AZL Royals game this year, is how he bonded with his teammates. His makeup and character are just off the charts. And because his dad was a major league pitcher, uh, he's been around the game, so he's got instincts for the game too. So uh, that's uh, that really is what makes him stand out the most. Yeah, Bobby Witt Sr. had a very, very good career as well. Uh, has been a strong presence in his son's life. As his son went through the showcase circuit and all the hype that comes with being as highly touted as he was as a teenager, having a dad like that definitely was helpful in that regard. Daniel Lynch has kind of jumped Brady Singer and Jackson Kowar to be the consensus top pitching prospect in the system. Singer and Kowar, the Florida teammates, were picked before Lynch, but Lynch has come out, and even though he stayed at high this year while, they, while the other two went to double-A, the stuff he showed, uh, particularly the way he finished the year in the Arizona Fall League, uh, was really, really promising. We started hearing buzz about him last year. Ultimately, what made him the pick for the number one pitching prospect in this pitching-heavy Royals top 10? He just profiles uh, better as a 
closer to a top of the rotation starter with his stuff. Uh, and the reason he didn't move as quickly as uh, the other two that you mentioned, uh, he had some, uh, they, they shut him down early in the year. It wasn't structural problems, but there was some arm discomfort. So he, uh, uh, he only got into, uh, not counting the rehab games, he got into 15 games at Low A Wilmington. Uh, otherwise he would have been on the same track as those guy, uh, as Singer and Kowar. Um, He's got a pair of plus pitches, uh, fastball up to 97, and really high spin rate, and a re- and uh, his slider is, is uh, also a plus pitch. Uh, so uh, four pitches uh, coming from the left side, you add that as a, a little extra bonus there. Uh, he's um, without a doubt, it was it was not even a question as far as where to rank him as compared to Singer and Kowar. And granted, they are right behind him, so. It's a nice, uh, nice mix to have. Yeah, Witt and Lynch as your top position player prospect and top pitching prospect are both very, very promising. It's a good place to start. Uh, but there is risk involved. As we mentioned, Witt, uh, stolen rookie ball. Uh, there has been some swing and miss concerns to his game, although, again, very, very talented player. You expect him to figure it out. Daniel Lynch, for all his talent as well, did miss time with an injury this year, still has yet to pitch above the high Class A level. So there is risk involved here, and that's why I think when you look at the Royals and you say, okay, they have some pieces to work with, both in terms of what's in the majors and in the minors, this isn't a team that's one or two years away. It might be three or four. The guys who could potentially expedite that would be Jackson Coar and Brady Singer if they can really ascend to the rotation and hold their own. It was interesting talking to evaluators this year. The consensus on Coer was, yeah, this guy's really good, a solid pitcher, number three, number four, absolutely a guy you like, and uh, was really a slam dunk top 100 prospect for us. Brady Singer, who was the most decorated pitcher of this 2018 draft class, College World Series hero at Florida. We at BA had him ranked as one of the top five draft prospects in his class. He fell to the middle of the first round, but still considered a consensus top half of the first rounder, roughly. His stats on paper in his first full year were very, very good. Went 12-5, and 5, 2.85 ERA, got up to double-A Northwest Arkansas. Uh, strikeout to walk was solid. Talking to evaluators, there was some concern. And we heard this even in college that you watched him pitch and just the way everything worked, the delivery, the arsenal, the fastball slider combo without really having a changeup, there was a lot of concern that, hey, this might be a reliever. And, you know, even the optimist said, I think it's a mid-rotation starter at best, which again, if you get a number three starter out of it, that's a great pick. As he's got the pro ranks this year, and we put together our top 100, There was a lot of feedback saying, hey, this guy's good. He's not one of the 100 best prospects in baseball. We ultimately moved him off the top 100. A lot of evaluators think he ends up in relief. A lot of others think he's a fifth starter. Uh, The platoon split was very, very scary just because he does not have the changeup. And the slider kind of goes right into lefties. When you assessed Brady Singer and talked to evaluators, how did you kind of manage that difference because again on paper the performance everything was there and he finished strong too he held up very very well it was durable over his first full season Um, but the reports were always a little lighter than the pure numbers showed just what was your process in ranking him and kind of assessing him what i got from uh, in talking to scouts and in talking to the organization and you talked about uh, the relief risk that evaluators always had going back to his college days. And again, it's the fact he didn't use his change up much in college and that he, um, the lower arm slot uh, caused some concerns. There were some inconsistencies. Now what I got was scouts 
didn't see as many red flags with that in 2019. That uh, as far as the change up, it's still a bit too firm, uh, but um, he's he's using it more and he's got some confidence in, in him. Uh, Kowar, in, in fact, even coming out of college, some scouts had Kowar ranked higher. Some teams had Kowar ranked higher on the board. Uh, they like him, but uh, Singer, I, I feel we're still getting good uh, good uh, reports on. Uh, but again, you said projects it as a back-end starter, and that's probably true, again, unless the changeup really becomes a much better pitch. Yeah, and again, I think it's important to point out he had a very good first full season. He's absolutely someone that evaluators see as a future major leaguer. It's just a matter of, okay, is it a number three starter, a number five starter, or a middle reliever? And I feel like just talking to evaluators, most kind of lean toward the the back end of those possibilities. One thing I do want to raise is he finished his year very, very strong. We see a lot of times guys go in, maybe their first full year they do well, but then as the league catches up to them, you see them struggle a little bit. He finished the year at AA in Northwest Arkansas, got hit his first couple of starts. His final nine starts there had a 1.96 ERA, held opponents to a 188 average, 530 OPS. It does feel like Singer is kind of the guy that is getting dinged a little bit, but everything's still there. And it does seem like it was very much, you know, a worthy number four prospect in a good system. And this is still a good pitcher the Royals have reason to be optimistic about. And the results are there. And that jump from high A to double A, it's usually one of the bigger ones. And like you said, he finished real strong there. Uh, So at the end, we want to see the results. And that's what what we're getting with him. And there's a couple different ways to do it, and uh, so far he's made it work. We'll see if he can make the jump to AAA this year, and uh, the Royals hope ultimately the majors. Either way, these are four prospects that are very, very good ones. Uh, three of them made the top 100. Singer finished just outside of it based on some feedback from evaluators, but he's not far off, and he, if he comes back and shows the changeup is there and some of those concerns have been alleviated, he'll be right back on it. Having three surefire top 100 prospects and a fourth right on the cusp is a good place to be. It does feel like there's a little bit of a drop-off as you move into Tier 2. Kyle Isbell, a talented player who's had injury issues last year. Eric Pena, an international signee who uh, still has a long way to go, although a lot of people like the raw tools he has. Guys like Chloe Lee, Chris Bubich, Austin Cox, who have been, you know, good and shown some good things. Guys who can potentially help a big league rotation or lineup. When you kind of sussed out the back of this list, that this 5 to 10, how many of them were surefire top 10 guys and how many of them were kind of, you know, iffy on the cusp? Well, related to that, let's talk about the hitters that didn't do well in Wilmington. We talked about their player development with pitching and how wonderful it's been. Uh, the, the hitters that went to Wilmington this year that were all top 10 prospects last year, that would be Nick Prado, who we still have at number 10, uh, MJ Melendez, the catcher, and Sula Matias, who really, it, he needs a mulligan for this year because he played all year with a broken hand, almost all year with a broken hand until they realized, okay, this is, you know, he can't play anymore. Let's have surgery. It's the development there of hitters. And I know they brought, they've revamped their, their hitting staff. Um, so it was like, who do we keep in? Who do we, what do we do with Prado? What do we do with Melendez? Uh, what do we do with Matias? Those were the big decisions on how I was going to form the, the top 10 this year. And I went back and forth many times on it. And at the end, Prado, 
He still has a good feel to hit. He needs to drive balls better. He needs to make better contact. Uh, but he's a plus defender. And uh, there's uh, the evaluators thought there was a better chance of him putting it all together. Yeah, Prado was interesting. I talked to a couple of evaluators about him this year. And look, it was not a good year. Let's just be frank. He hit 191 with a 278 on base percentage, a 310 slugging percentage. Uh, take into account age, league, stadium, all of it. It was well, well, well below average. Talking to evaluators, there still seemed to be some hope for the reasons that you you talked about. Whereas MJ Melendez and Suli Matias, um, the criticisms were a lot louder and there was a lot more doubt about whether or not they could figure that out. And you reflected that in your top 10 rankings, ranking Melendez and Matias outside the top 10 while Prado still snuck in the back. What was the feedback you got on those two, and what are the biggest challenges for them moving forward? Melendez, what I heard from a lot of evaluators was he just didn't seem to have a plan at the plate uh, when he went to the plate, uh, went up to bat. Um, and while he's been always credited with being a really good catcher, there's still some concerns. Now, his arm, uh, he, he threw out 60% of the runners stealing, and I went through all the Carolina League catchers and everything. Nobody was even close to that. Uh, uh, that's uh, a phenomenal number. Uh, 60% of the runners, I'll say it again. Uh, but he's going to have to have a plan at the plate and be a little more focused there. I think that's his big thing. Uh, Matias, uh, go back to what we said about him two years ago. You know, uh, High ceiling, but very high risk. Uh, it was a shame he uh, really didn't get to develop this past year. Uh, and I did a deep dive into his game logs, uh, knowing, uh, you know, looking at when he got hit with pitches, uh, he was actually starting to hit pretty well in April and putting it together, hitting some home runs. He's got, you know, plus for all power, maybe even plus plus. Uh, but there, you know, there are severe swing and miss issues. But I looked at, at his numbers and I could see where, when he got hit with a pitch, what he did after that, and then when he had another injury, I think, uh, uh, the second time around, uh, it was not getting hit with a pitch. Uh, it was on a swing. He just re-aggravated it. And that, and, um, so look at what Suli Matias' reports were a year and a half ago. And I think we need to go back to that. It's just that he's another year older. Yeah, with Matias, again, there's a ton of power there, a ton of swing and miss. At times, he looks like a future big league right fielder. A lot of other times, looks like he's not going to get above A ball. Ultimately, you decided to push him out of the top 10 uh, with all those considerations. How about the guys who did make it? What elevated guys like Kyle Isbell, Khalil Lee, uh, Eric Pena into not just the top 10, but, you know, five, six, seven, right behind the, the top 100-ish group? Well, Pena, uh, originally I was going to have him down a little further. And then in, in talking to Ben Badler, who you know we know is the industry leader in knowledge about international players, uh, he talks to everybody down there. He goes to the Dominican, and he really sold us on putting Pena up higher. Uh, this, this kid, uh, and I think there were people, and we don't want to get Royals fans too excited yet, but there were sources that Ben had in the Dominican comparing Pena to Juan Soto and he could have that kind of ascent once he hits the States this year and gets another couple of years under his belt that he could move quickly. Uh, he's, he's enormously talented. He already speaks English. He's got uh, a really good makeup. Um, he's got a, he's got a lot of swing and miss that he, like any young player, he's got swing and miss that he's got to get under control, uh, but that will come with experience. And I, I talked to scouts that watched him during instructional league. I uh, went out early to, to see 
fielding drills and he said yeah he's really got good feel for the outfield and, and good instincts out there so there's so much we don't know about him yet he's only 17 years has, is he, well has he turned 17 yet uh, he's probably 17 by now and uh oh no he doesn't turn 17 until spring training february so, february 20th so he's very february very young 20th. okay so because they brought him up to Arizona right after they signed him and just had him here with the Arizona League team. He couldn't play games yet, but uh, and then he was here all during uh, instructional league. From what I understand, he roomed with Bobby Witt Jr. to uh, you know, look at those two as moving together and uh, someday maybe being the foundation of the big league team. But I think he'll be in the Arizona League. He won't. Uh, they'll skip him over the Dominican Summer League, and I think he can handle that without any issue. Uh, you talk about Khalil Lee mentioning him, and I went into the process thinking, you know what, he, uh, he's he been around for a while. Uh, uh, is he finally going to drop out of the top 10? But uh, I found there's still a lot of support from talent evaluators on him. And you look at his age compared to the other people in the top 10. This was what his, uh, I think, his fourth uh, minor league season. Uh, he's still younger than a lot of their the players, other players in the top 10. He was young when he came into pro ball. Uh, he didn't turn 18 till partway through his first season. And he's still only 21 years old. He'll be 21 next year when he goes to, uh, uh, when he starts out the year in triple A. So he's been young every year. Uh, one of the, he's, there's still, he struck out a lot. He's got to, with experience, uh, cut down on the swing and miss and be able to get to his, his raw power. But he stole 53 bases last year, so uh, that was a big jump from before. Uh, at the end, we had Lee still belonged in the top 10. Yeah, you mentioned a solid year at AA. Uh, also, you know, just everything he did, the, the speed aspect, you know, the power wasn't enormous, but you still saw plenty of extra base hits. Uh, there is a sense of someone who will help the Royals, even if it's not as a true everyday starter. He can do some things to help the club. This top 10, you mentioned the top nine, it seems, were fairly safe. Um, number 10 seemed to be kind of in question. Uh, ultimately, Prado got the nod there. How many players total would you say were in the mix for the Royals' top 10? I'd say I had about four or five that I was considering. Uh, of course, counting Prado, I consider keeping Melendez in there because he is a catcher. Uh, the one that I had just outside the list, one of the uh, college pitchers from the 2018 draft, uh, that uh, uh, I consider was Jonathan Bolin. And uh, I also consider keeping Matias up there, too. But uh, let's talk about Bolin for a, a minute. Uh, his first year, uh, I was doing the Pioneer League prospect report. He was in the Pioneer League, and I got such rep bad reports from scouts, There was no, and not even any push from the organization to have him in the top 30 last year. I know I talked to scouts that put a future 30 grade on him, and... Uh, it, you looked at that and say, you know, what what did they see to draft him in the second round? He came out of Memphis University, but in the off season, he got in much better shape and uh, uh, really had an outstanding year, both at uh, low A and double A. I know he uh, he threw a new hitter, a complete game no hitter, which you don't see very often in the minor leagues. But uh, he's got he's a big bodied kid, uh, like 260 pounds. Uh, he uh, has good pitch ability fastball touching 97 and uh, a couple secondary pitches that, that could be plus offerings in time. Bill, when you look at the Royals system as a whole, 
What do they need to keep adding to get back to being a winning organization? We talked about last year going 59 and 103. They're going to have the fourth overall pick in the draft this year. On paper, you see the pitchers you can feel good about, although we all know it really takes five pitching prospects to get one to the big leagues. And they certainly have a lot of holes to fill outside of Brad Keller. There's no one in the rotation right now. You can look and say, yes, this is still someone that will be pitching for them and an impact starter for them four years from now. Uh, you look at the lineup, as we mentioned, they have some guys to build with if they decide to keep Whit Merrifield. We mentioned Mondesi and Dozier and Solaire, uh, but that still leaves five lineup spots they really have to fill. We have to see if Salvador Perez is able to come back healthy from his Tommy John surgery. On the whole, what do the Royals need to, again, just forget playoffs for a second, just get back to a winning record? Because I think from the outside looking in, it looks like they're probably at least two years away even from that, getting enough position players up to really start contending again. Well, I think you've said it right there. And we've talked about the pitchers coming up. And granted, even though they've all been successful so far, not everyone is going to wind up in their rotation. But there's depth there. Uh, It's the position player depth that uh, over the next few years – uh, because Witt will be a few years away. Eric Pena will be even a few more years away. But uh, there needs to be, you know, they need to get some other talent in there. And whether that's what they focus on in the draft this year, uh, I don't know. They went with uh, position players last year at the top of the draft. and uh, they, uh, But not only drafting position players, getting the ones that struggled, the the Three, the three we talked about at Wilmington, getting them right. And again, I mentioned um, they brought in new hitting staff. Uh, Drew Saylor is a new uh, hitting coordinator. Uh, you're probably familiar with him. Uh, he was in the Dodgers organization and managing the Cal League. Uh, and then they brought in Keone Duran, who from the Cubs organization. I think he was the assistant hitting coach at their Cubs AAA uh, last year. And they were. I was out at the at their surprise complex in October after the regular and structural league ended. Uh, they had hitters out there, and that's all they did all day uh, with you know the new coordinators working with them. Uh, they'd hit in the cages and then go hit in the field, and they go back to the cages hitting in the field. Khalil Lee was there, Prado, Melendez, uh, Matias, uh, all those names that we mentioned before were all there working for hours on hitting every day with the the new uh, the new staff. So. That, you know that that's the big goal both I think in the draft and in their player development is improve the hitting and that will be the key to look for here in 2020 uh, obviously things at the major league level do not appear like they will be getting much better and there's probably another top five draft pick coming certainly another top 10 draft pick so watching those developments down on the farm will certainly be one of the more intriguing things for our Royals fans to keep an eye on this year Bill thank you so much for joining us as always we appreciate your insight Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Bill Mitchell, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Mm